This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. And Ramon is present. And this may be the most Joe Rogan-ish podcast we will, you know, have in a while. Well, I think it could be because we've got a returning guest and someone we like to chat with. Uh, and I've been holding for quite a while now that I really enjoy the conversations we have with uh, people who are on the same side of the argument as us, but have nuanced views Sure. Uh, and differences, so we can kind of hone where we where we where we sit. Well, yeah, I assume people like us. You mean like right wing? Well, yeah, I, this right wing left wing thing is difficult. Well, I mean, for context, the Renegade Report Group is is the you know the the milieu, and there's 489 people on there. And, yes. and, just, and some of you aren't donating on Patreon, no, so you're bastards. bad people. Yeah, I did bad say people. $1 each, and we got one person donating. <laughs> but um, but no, but anyway, the group is like really lively. It's one of the best groups I've been on ever on Facebook because people do change their minds. Mm. Well, and they're just really interesting conversations. So there's not so much name-calling and a lot of, well, this is what I believe and this is why I believe it. And then people back it up and people come back with whatever they they have as their view and, and, and their evidence. And, yeah, we, we sometimes get to change opinions, yeah. which is lovely. And it's very genial. Mm. Right. So, uh, so shall we uh, get straight into it? Because uh, our guest is none other than Martin van Staden, who is a legal researcher at the Free Market Foundation. Did I get yeah. that correct? Yeah, you got it. Right. So and, lo- and this is the second time he's been on. The first time around, he calls Co racist. So we need to up our game. Yeah, we, we really one. do need to get moving. I stand there. by that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you convinced me, actually. <laughs> um, Martin. Martin is a libertarian. Martin is the staunchest libertarian I know. Um, I suppose that's not saying that much. I don't know that many libertarians. But, um, Ooh, that's a bit of a burn so early, really, John. I want, I want, I want to burn him. He's the best one I know, but I don't know many, so it's not that high <laughs> yeah, standard. Okay, yeah. yeah, get out. Uh, no, so what, what I find interesting is I agree with you on a lot of things, uh, but I disagree on some other things, and I thought we could kind of have that conversation. Um, I know some of our listeners, Ramon, uh, say that we just confirm our own bias. Uh, Indeed, I heard that today. Yeah. Um, and I'm um, says, yes, and? <laughs> if your bias is correct, what's the problem with confirming it? Oh, you see, now there, there's already a problem. How do you know it's correct, Martin? Like, oh, how do you well. know? Okay, the typical libertarian argument is uh, the values of property mm. rights, freedom of association. Self-ownership. Self-ownership. Very simple, self-ownership. How can you make that a universal truth claim? When many people don't believe it themselves. Well, why would they need to believe it? I know for a fact that I am the only individual or the only entity that's capable of controlling my own actions. I know at the end of the day, uh, even though my parents bore me, they cannot control me. So I have more of an objective link with myself than anyone else. So the facts simply illustrate that I am a self-owner. Why would I need to even debate this with anyone else? No, sure. But, yeah. not, but you know, tell that to people in Zimbabwe. No, exactly. You've been living there for 40 yeah. years under a dictatorship. Mm. And yeah, they can have a 
as much personal freedom as they think they do, mm. but the external, external situations, external consequences and externalities in general, they happen. And sometimes you have to choose between like chaos and order. And that order may be like a complete nutcase like Mugabe, but it's much better than the opposite, for example. Yeah, that's so it's, not, it's not, it's not <laughs> as like neatly cut. I, it probably is, uh, but but we'll get into that. <laughs> well, well, go ahead. I'm looking forward to this. Well, like, well, like, well, like if you live under an oppressive regime yeah. in North Korea, yes, great. I, the state controls what you do. You yeah. can have as much self ownership as you want to, but go against no. But what you, the state your self ownership is being denied. So our task right. as libertarians is to uh, bring awareness to to the fact that you do have self ownership, and that the government or whoever else should allow you to exercise that self ownership. So it's 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 an uphill battle for libertarians. Uh, but that doesn't detract from the fact that you are a self-owner and, and whatever anyone else does to interfere with that must be immediately abolished. But it is contingent on the people around you allowing you to do so. So it's, No, of it's, course. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's no good just That's why the, I write. That's yeah. why I go on these uh, interviews, uh, these discussions. We need to convince people or – well. Do we need, yeah, we need to convince them, but of the fact that they are self-owners, that they are entitled, that they have a moral claim to liberty. So it's, it's, it's a marketing game, unfortunately. So it's. Yeah, and libertarians are terrible at marketing. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We definitely are. Well, we. I'm not a libertarian. No, you are. So the left, <laughs> the, the left can market, but they can't meme, and the right can meme, but they can't market. Oh, well, yeah, I, I think <laughs> I, I'm probably outside of the left-right continuum. Uh, a lot of people say that uh, libertarianism is is on the right, but I, I kind of reject that. If if we're grouped in with with the Hoppian uh, alt right kind of libertarian group, uh, I would say no. Uh, I'm I'm very much what they would call a moral degenerate. Um, but that's uh, that that places libertarians outside of the le- left right continuum. But yeah, so currently the alt right seems to be. Succeeding in marketing, uh, it's odd that they're um, they're growing are, are they, around the world. They're are, growing. are they growing? They seem to be. To me, they well, only really because mainstream media gives them so much bloody attention all the time. That's We're, part of it, but also people are, uh, oh, what do we call it? Uh, people have in-group preferences and yeah. they're uh, tribalistic. And when people, like in, in South Africa, we have a mayor who uh, recently said some xenophobic things. And a lot of, of his supporters who are otherwise perfectly um, reasonable, many of them liberals, uh, said, yes, you go, mayor. So are so, they reasonable, though, Martin, if they, cannot, if they cannot keep the same principles for every argument? Well, are they reasonable? If, if this is something that affects a lot of people, if your guy is in power, then uh, for only to the extent that he is in power, you are no longer reasonable. That's happened in, in, in the United States especially, uh, where a lot of libertarians who I know to be principled libertarians are now completely on the Trump train. And Yes, Trump has done great in re- deregulating a lot of stuff. Uh, he's, uh, he seems to be pulling out of the Paris, Paris Agreement. That's brilliant. Well, he's threatened. So no, he's they threatened, aren't actually out yet, if, if despite that's all the autistic screeching you yes. get. Hmm. <laughs> if that's happening, that's great. But uh, they turn a complete blind eye to all the an- uh, illiberal, uh, anti-libertarian things that he, he's doing. Uh, and the same is true in South Africa, inevitably. I'm just interested because you mentioned there that – like. You you don't really fit on the left right spectrum, yeah. um, and I mentioned on a previous show that the right seems to have a split, mm. um, and I'm wondering because I don't think the alt right's growing. I actually just think the right's growing. Okay. Um, so I think the alt right might be buoyed in in a sense. So I think you've always had these underground groups which are now just being seen on the surface. Uh, that march in Poland, for example, uh, where. And in fairness, the media didn't cover that very well because there were some people in that march 
who were just anti-immigration. They weren't necessarily uh, – you, you would disagree with them, but they yeah. weren't necessarily – uh, bigots no, or, Nazis. Um, in, or Nazis. They don't want to execute uh, mm. immigrants or put turrets on the border and, and just murder them as they come over. Mm. Um, they just don't like the idea of people illegally immigrating into their country. Um, and then there were some people in those marches who were clearly did have those Nazi sort of views. So that's not very well covered. But I just think those are kind of they're bubbling a little bit to the surface. They've always been there. We know this in Germany. You know, you ban. Uh, the Nazi flag and everyone loves that you know yes. look at Germany they banned the Nazi flag and they terrible. you can't say any Nazi things and you can't uh, graffiti a swastika on a subway station mm. um, uh, yes and that's why Germany has one of the largest underground neo-Nazi organizations in the world um, well so, that's a correlation well there, another cause sure eh? the other correlation would be that they were with Nazi started, so <laughs> so there is that. Um, but they haven't. It hasn't done anything to get rid of Nazism, no, of um, as as we know, hate speech laws and and yeah. any other kind of laws preventing freedom don't generally do that. Um, but I just think that you've now got a right that's growing because. Well, there's people on the right who are pro-abortion, and there's people on the right who are anti. There's people on the right that's who no are choice. <laughs> Whatever. Um, pro-abortion. Well, well, I'm sorry for the people on the left, but you are pro-abortion if you support abortion. Um, um, but the 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 reality is, is there's there's a lot of these sort of things that have been oh the right thinks this, the left thinks that. Mm. Now it's quite easy to tell you what the left thinks. Yeah. Um, there are a certain set of views, and they don't really deviate at mm. all. The right seems to deviate all over the place. So yeah. as you're describing, you got. As you say, principled libertarians, and I imagine, you know, Ramon's trying to say, well, they're not reasonable. He's going back to Jonathan Haidt, um, but but in 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 the in the in in the context of things, they might find a reason why they are still being principled, because ultimately this will result in X, Y, and Z, and therefore, um, I just think that the split is interesting. That we've got people on the right who are very pro things that have traditionally been right. And very pro things that have traditionally been left, yeah. um, but they're still very much on the right where it matters because uh, you know a lot of those social issues I don't think are the biggest yeah. matters that we need to deal with. I mean, economics I think is 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 a far bigger um, issue to deal with than whether yeah. we allow women to, to the abort extent fetuses. that you can uh, uh, distinguish between social and economic issues. I would I would agree that economics probably has more of a consequent consequential effect. Um, than, than uh, social issues, but um, so I, I take your point that the left is far better identify, uh, easier to identify. Uh, you when you argue with someone, you can easily place him on the left. The, but the thing that makes this left-right dichotomy so useless is that the same rule doesn't apply to the right. So that's where you're referring to the split. Mm. So that's why it's it's quite useless to me because the right is often, and depending on who you speak to, it's either uh, based on religious conservatism. Uh, uh, the political science definition is uh, says that the right is focused on freedom, individual freedom, uh, and then there's others who say that the right is specifically about property rights. So these are these deviating uh, ideas of what right means make it quite useless. That's why I I prefer being more particular and uh, saying libertarian, uh, social mm. democrat, things like that that uh, make it much easier to identify where people stand. And and I would say that uh, libertarianism definitely is not. Um, as many in the United States would like to apply, is not uh, one-to-one overlapping overlap with American conservatism. A lot of people like saying that, especially now that Trump has 
has uh, become a force to be reckoned with. But that that's simply not the case. Uh, libertarians have traditionally always been pro-choice. Uh, it's only recently come to pass that they are, uh, quote-unquote, pro-life. Uh, so Murray Rothbard, who is regarded as the founder of modern libertarianism, he is very pro, pro-choice. Uh, I think the, the position is called evictionism. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, uh, we've we've traditionally been uh, on libertarians have traditionally agreed with a lot of what the left used to say in the past, uh, free speech and uh, so. Frederick Bastiat, a libertarian, he sat on the left in the French Parliament, uh, and that is where the notion of left and right came from. So yeah. th- these these identifiers, I would say, are useless. Um, but yeah, so libertarians definitely exist out of what is traditionally regarded as left and right. All right. So I mean, who cares about the left and right? Let's talk about libertarianism. <laughs> Martin. Well, let's. Okay. What? Go there, go there. It's what? fine. Yeah. Now I want what is what is the libertarian claim about immigration? It's a it's a hot issue. Hmm. I'd I'm neither here nor there. I think it's it's contextual, deeply contextual in my opinion. Uh but what is your claim about immigration? Okay, so it's difficult to say what the libertarian position is on that. Um so if you're talking to a monarchist, uh, like I consider myself, I'm not, I don't consider myself an anarchist. I believe in a minimum state. I believe that the government has no role to play in the economy. And therefore that includes immigration, which is, uh, moving is an economic, is economic conduct from, from where I'm sitting. Yeah. Uh, government cannot say that the economy doesn't need you. Therefore you can't come in. Uh, government has no authority to say that, uh, or well, it has the authority to, but it has no moral authority to say, for example, that, um, this ethnic group, which is currently dominant in, in our uh, country, needs to remain dominant. That's a, a mandate that I don't know where, where government really got it. Um, then there's the cultural argument. This is where I think that context matters a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that as a general rule, any culture should be allowed, except if it's inherent in that culture that rights are going to be violated. And if it's clear that the individual immigrant in question is not able to... Uh, Put the brakes on that element of his culture, which many Muslims do. Most mu- Muslims do. In South Ooh, Africa, we have straight, a straight to, yes, straight no, of course. To, I mean, let's, Muslims, let's, I was referring no, to no, Taoists no, no. myself. Let's, let's not dress it up. We're I'm all joking. we're definitely referring to, to to the Muslims. So in South Africa, we have a very large and very peaceful Muslim population. Uh, this, for some reason, doesn't seem to be the case in Europe. But for me, that that implies that it's not something inherent in Islam. That's the problem. There's something happening between the Middle East and Europe at this stage. But it's sects in Islam. It's different sects. Yeah. So it's okay. Shias and Sunnis. And, yes, and no, of course. It's, it's also yes. the origins of, yeah. of where your yeah. Muslim population comes from. Yeah. So, And that's basically the reason why we have a very peaceful Muslim mm. population. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, ours comes mainly from India. The, 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 problem, the problem with saying it's not, it's not central to Islam, for example, is um, go ask a very devout Muslim their opinion on, on Israel or Jews. Yes. Um, no, and you I will get the, the same answer in South Africa as you will in Syria. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's not very charitable. The question is, will, will they act on it? So, uh, there's a, I, I think Mark Oppenheimer also made this point in when he was on the show. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of central. So mm. communism is obviously incompatible with libertarianism for, blatantly obvious reasons they don't believe in private property and they will expropriate your property but being a communist in a quote-unquote libertarian society is okay sure. until and in a, uh, until you actually try and put that into operation right so in south africa 
our Muslim population isn't aggressing against Israel. It's I don't think it's aggressing against the Jews of South Africa. From I don't I may be wrong. I don't think so. Minimally, I would. Yeah, I would. I would. It depends if, if Israel's bombing Gaza. Then the security guards come out at the synagogues. <laughs> okay. I have seen that. I live down the road from okay. a synagogue. They do come out okay. every time there's a bit of a kerfuffle. Right. But uh, okay, so so I take that point. Yeah. But but to get back to the immigration, so it would it would need to be shown that when a specific immigrant wants to enter, that he is intending to cause some kind of physical harm to who is already on this side of the border. Uh, that that would be my criterion as a minarchist. Sure. The the anarchist position, I believe, and I'm I'm pretty well read on on anarcho-capitalism, is that open borders entirely, without right. question. Well, the only borders are Ex- private property. Except boundaries. hold on, yes. Just so can I stop you all there? Um, and I, I hope we don't delve too much into pragmatism here, because I know Martin <laughs> loves pragmatism. Yeah, we'll get to uh, <laughs> we'll get to pragmatism, but but so. I think many people could possibly agree with the idea of hu- free human movement. I mm. think as a concept, it's it, it works well. It, it, you, there's no real arguments against free human movement. Mm. Anywhere you were born is by accident of birth. Yes. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to go to any part of the earth or the universe for that matter uh, be- because someone else says you, you can't do so. Um, I, I think one of the big arguments against um, – immigration is the legal versus illegal because Mm. uh, in a place like and it's worse in more socialized countries but in a place like the United States if you're Mexican and your life sucks and you decide you want a better life um, which as you say is your moral uh, almost imperative Mm. um, then you might go and jump the border um, which at the moment is probably just a small fence, not a wall. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, you might go jump the border and then you go into the USA. Uh, the, the issue, I still don't have an issue with any of that that's happened so far. My, my problem is, is that America, for example, will have a system that will be set up that says, all right, well, now that you've arrived and you're in our country, well, we've got a system that says that you get – in America, it's not free healthcare yet, but well, Obamacare does cover this to an extent. Not, for, let's, not let's, for illegal immigrants. Uh, well, it, it, to an extent, to an extent, every country provides it. So, South Africa. Let's use South Africa as an example. If you've come to South Africa illegally, you fled Zimbabwe because it's a, a shithole, um, and you've, you've arrived in this country. Um, you will be given whatever health care you need because that is, in fact, enshrined to an extent in our constitution and has yeah. been misinterpreted by people like Pierre de Force mm. um, and then bought wholesale. So so the, the problem is, is I pay for the health care. I can tell you working in health care that South Africans get considerably poorer treatment than they probably could get if we weren't treating pretty much most of Southern Africa. Yeah. Um, well, I think I've got the retort to that already. Yeah. Just don't have health care as a right. Yeah, no. I'm, the I'm, libertarian position is quite clear. I'm on the that. page, yeah. but I'm saying I'm living in this country right now. Mm. And someone's coming over the border. And at the moment, I'm not going to have the choice. I have to choose between whether I say, you're an illegal immigrant, get out of my country. Right? So I'm against the freedom of human movement mm. there. Or come into my country and because we have this socialized, semi-socialized healthcare system, come into my country and now I'm not only going to take away from people who've paid towards this healthcare, but I'm going to give it to you for nothing. Um, and so my only argument is not against the absolute principle. My argument is against, well, 
um, in the system that's set up already, what do we do? What do we do with that? Well, in, in the context of the United States, I think it's quite easy. I don't think it's a dichotomy of either you're illegal, therefore get out, or legal, come in and get health care. I think there is a third and a fourth option, and the third option is pass a law that says any illegal immigrant is simply not eligible for Healthcare. I think that is pr- probably more practical than uh, closing down the border. But this is not brought up by anyone. Uh, mm. When I, I've even proposed in the past, uh, make it first generation immigrants, exempt them from health, um, welfare entirely. Yeah. That's pretty radical. Uh, mm. That's, that would be seen as artless by the left. But that's better than telling someone oh, who's fully of war age area that he needs to go back. Mm. So I think that that's pretty practical. And I'm not seeing anyone really uh, advancing that position, even though in the United States constitutional system, that's that's ordinary legislation that can be passed. In South Africa, it's it's more difficult because we do have a... They, they call it a right to health care, but it's um, the, the, the phrase in the Constitution is that... Emergency. The it, no, it's... Well, um, it's an entitlement. Yeah, there is emergency medical services, but it's also progressively re- realized access to health care. Access mm. to health care rather than yeah. here's health care, you can have it. So a libertarian can have fun with, with the terminology of access to health care. To me, that simply means government mm. needs to get out of your way so that you yeah. can access health care. So even in our system, constitutionally, I would say... Uh, the the most practical thing that you can do immediately is to say that illegal immigrants simply aren't entitled to access any kind of health care. I, I guess I would make the exception for emergency medical care, but that, that would be the extent of it. Um, so why why do we resort to either keeping them out or kicking illegal immigrants out entirely rather than this much more humane and I would argue libertarian position whereby uh, we can welcome people whose liberty mm. is fundamentally I, th- I think it's because of these social systems that are set up. Um, well, it's, it's government's It's the government's finger up. in yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the problem. Uh, same as in, as in Europe at the moment. The problem for me personally is not that people are coming over the border in, in, in mass numbers. It's that the governments themselves don't apply the laws equally. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a, a story every other day where uh, in, in Sweden and in Germany, for example, where um, these people, the immigrants, are kept in their own camps and they're allowed to work, they're not allowed to seek further education they're not, because they're still being processed. Yeah. I mean, how do you get through life finding out different things? You work with different people. You go to a school where there's, you know, a hundred other people yeah. that you learn from. I mean, that's how you do it. But, but, However, but, I need to, sorry, yeah. I, need to, I just want to rebuff you on one point about yeah. why cannot, not this again, maybe not, we agree on this, but why can't the dominant culture say, no, we don't want to change our culture. Because the dominant culture is not a rights-bearing individual. It can't speak and it cannot decide on the, on the rights of other people. So uh, if you and a group of people who share your ethnicity want to do that, you should buy property and uh, erect a wall around your duly owned property and, well, that's what and, and impose is, your though. rights. No, it's absolutely not. That's what no. the state I mean, no, in, no, no, in Britain, no, people no. buy it for for the parliament who the, make queen, the, laws the queen owns the country and that they, that's what they say but i would she would need to come to court and prove that uh, her ancestors acquired property in the correct manner and on every part so on that yeah, it's, but correct manner according to you it's fine Yes, it's no, according I mean, to me. Yes, but you're not the arbiter of what is correct. Or no, not, no, I, I'm happily be. I'll happily be that arbiter. Um, uh, because <laughs> this is dull, this, this, is, this is how property yeah. is acquired. This is how this is where the um, how the objective link between an individual and property is established. Uh, you mix your labor with the property, or you 
Buy so, it from the guy so, who did. So can I can I ask, in terms of the nativism argument that Ramon's kind of getting yes. to, if people in the United Kingdom go, look, this is Britain, this is our culture. It's very easy to see what their culture is. You know, you. Um, oh, come on, it's football, beer, and fucking. No, there's lots of there's lots of whatever. You can be insulting about it, uh, like Ramon is, and you can be nice about it about yeah. Sunday roasts and Yorkshire puddings and mm. the English countryside and whatever else, gentlemen's and ladies and, and polo dentists. and all the rest of that shit. Um, the point is, is they say that's what our culture is. Mm. That's what that's what we are as yeah. this this piece of land here. Um, and then they get really upset about a whole bunch of Pakistani people coming into mm. the country. And so that, that actually the upsetness kind of does tend to temp- temper it down. But if, if it wasn't tempered at all and they just kind of said, well, you know what? We're not going to have any immigration laws. And it, the United Kingdom over a hundred years becomes Pakistan, right? There is no, there is nothing left of that United Kingdom or that culture. If, if- no issue. Well, if if people want their culture to keep existing, it it will. If if they don't, then it it won't. But but, but will it really? Because the the thing here we have is is firstly, some not all cultures are equal. I don't buy that argument. Some cultures are better than others. Um, there's no doubt if you're about quali- that. If, if you mean as it regards your individual liberty. Well, I'm qualifying it. I'm, well, I'm also qualifying in regards individual liberty. So, for example, pretty much all Middle Eastern culture is 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 abhorrent with yes. regards to to liberty. Yeah. And if you're relating it to some sort of moral truth that you believe in um, which I'm going to use Judeo-Christian values as the moral truth then uh, a lot of the 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 world that doesn't define itself as the Western world is also abhorrent, right? And the issue you have here is you want to let them play out and see what kind of happens. But I would argue that if you let them play out and see what happens Europe will be Saudi Arabia in 50 years time if you just let them completely play out, um, well, well there'll, be, there'll be less liberty in the long run. Isn't because it so? some, because bad cultures, lesser mm. cultures that are just not as good as others, yeah. are not as progressed as others. So, for example, they believe that violence is okay to enforce their means, as against progressed cultures which don't. Um, no, but it's not just that. It's about it's about the the um, the ethics around education. Is education important to the culture? Is individuality important to a culture? And you can use the Appalachia hillbillies for this. You can use Native American culture. You can use the Indian caste system. It's not like a, a Muslim thing that we're talking about. There are different cultures within, within one country at all times. And some are just better than others. So aren't you worried that by allowing people from different cultures just to flood into areas of different, another culture that they'll just overtake them. There's liberty in the long run, surely. Well, I, I don't think I'm qualified to make that assumption that that's necessarily going to be, be the, the end result of it. Um, because it, it may be, and also it may not be. And the, the case, the, the matter at hand is that here are individuals, rights bearing individuals who on a case by case basis may not want to initiate harm against their fellow citizens. Mm. They may just come and build a mosque next to a church and that's going to piss a lot of people off. I, I can't say that there is something wrong with that happening. And the, in the long run, that may lead to less liberty, but a lot of other things are also in the long run leading to less liberty. Oh, we sure. have a lot having, of, having a government is... Yes, yeah, so yeah. Uh, a lot of... Uh, in South Africa, we have this thing called transformative constitutionalism. It's a very socialistic interpretation of our constitution. It's becoming far more entrenched every day. So that in the long run is going to negate liberty, but... 
I, I can't really and force and anyone. And that's far worse than a hundred thousand Zimbabweans crossing the border, right? Like, I, I would say, of like course. In South Africa, yes. I think we've been enriched by illegal yeah. immigration. If I'm really honest with you. Well, we haven't. We haven't. It depends on context. It's, it's, yeah, apparently, criminality is quite rampant. Uh, in, yeah, it's, uh, as it's, far as that's I, what I hear. To, I to, to me, I find the, the the you know the immigration argument is 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 often reductionist. You know, uh, the, the one side of the argument is immigrants improve economics, uh, and that has been shown to, yeah. to to some extent. But it's it's within certain variables, and people love to. Uh, use the 1900s, the early 1900s in the United States uh, to show that where you had very skilled laborers uh, and uh, and artisans and then doctors and engineers and etc. coming over from Europe to the United States. Uh, that made a big difference. It's questionable whether if you have unskilled labor coming into a market, how helpful that is, other than to possibly reduce the price of certain things because mm. they may be willing to sell their labor at a cheaper cost. Um I just, I just, you know, there are other issues. I, I, you know, once again, this is anecdotal, although there are numbers for it, but we have women literally, you know, getting in cars or taxis or whatever it is in Mozambique and driving 800 or a thousand kilometers to the Mozambican border past six different hospitals crossing over into South Africa. And then they don't even just cross over into South Africa. They carry on driving through Mpumalanga, Limpopo, Northwest, wherever they drive, end up driving through and they land right here, center of Joburg. Now they want to give birth to their baby in the premier hospital in South Africa paid for by South African citizens. But can you um, blame them though? Yeah, no, that's, and they know that's it's, the, it's the best way. It's the, it's the best, they're going to get good healthcare. It's, it's the best country in Southern Africa. Sure, but it's whatever theft. the case might be. Well, look, everything between them and that hospital that they're going to has been completely destroyed by government. And, uh, they, when, when they don't know that, uh, explicitly, they at least know that intuitively. That's why they're coming here. <laughs> they, they don't think about it as, as theft. And I, to an extent, I can forgive them, but I can't forgive the government for destroying everything between them and here. So. No, I uh, don't think they think about it as theft. Uh, no, I, of I, course. I, every individual is looking for a better life. It's the same as a Syrian refugee. Yeah. The Syrian refugee, and it's the same, I mean, there's that exact example. The Syrian refugee will leave Syria, hit Turkey long before he ever hits Germany, but he won't stay in Turkey. He will carry on going. Most, most do actually. Until until no. No, most. Turkey is the number one. Yeah, host Turkey. Turkey has been of, has received the most. And Jordan and all those countries before Germany have far more immigrants than Germany and England and Sweden. But combined. it's but it's all about preference. So if something were to happen in South Africa, great civil strife. Are we all gonna go to Namibia or are we gonna try to go to Canada and the U.S. No, and wait, I'm going to Botswana, man. Yeah, we've heard uh, this ridiculous nature story, but I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> what? He's going to say he's going to go Botswana. Botswana. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, likely not. I think you're going to end up in Portugal, maybe. So we, oh, yeah, true. We, we want to go, people want to go where sure. they see more opportunity. Sure, more. But, but, but do you, do you think, I, I mean, is, is it unfair for people in that country to go, you know what, Martin, come to America with pleasure. Here's the visa application form. Please fill it in. I mean, is that an unreasonable expectation? Uh, to to give me a visa? Well, no, okay. not to give you a visa. We know you wouldn't agree with visas anyway because yeah. it restricts free movement. But I'm saying uh, to ask you just to legally ask to come into their country. Yeah, well, if if that if it were as simple as that, no, sure. I mean, yeah, but it's never simple. The, it's uh, you. It's it's and I know this from experience. Getting mm. into the United States is a, a pain in the butt. Uh, getting into yes, has to. Getting, Thanks, Obama. Getting into the European Union is is quite easy. That's why I'm. I don't really care about the European Union's border policies. It's simple enough to get in. Uh, and, As an immigrant. 
Uh, this, oh, well, I don't know about immigration, but yeah, uh, as a visitor, a visa, you can yeah. you can get in. Yeah. Uh, into Africa, it's it's generally the same rule. Not into South Africa. I know from my colleagues throughout Africa, it's it's difficult to get into this country. Mm. Uh, but for a South African to go to another African country, that's it's. I mean, it's simple enough for me not to really care. But when it's as difficult as in the U.S., I can I start considering that a complete violation of individual liberty mm. uh, to to tell someone who's who has identified the United. I mean. Uh, the right wing, as we say, usually talk about um, secession. There needs to be a multiplicity of states so that people can choose which country is best for them and go there. Now these Middle Easterners have chosen the United States. They they want to go to this country that's offering them opportunities. And now these same people are saying, no, you can't. You need to either stay where you are or go to another Middle Eastern shithole. I, I can't accept that argument. That, that seems to me like a complete... Uh, violation of their individual liberty. It doesn't matter, excuse me, for which reasons. So if it's someone from Bangladesh who just wants a better life or someone mm. fleeing a war zone, to you that doesn't, there's well, no moral well, difference no. there. No, so, so like I said earlier, government doesn't really have any kind of uh, authority to say that our economy has enough lawyers, therefore we're, we're not letting in Martin because he's a lawyer or something like that. Uh, so government, if you agree with the libertarian libertarian assumptions government has no role to play in the economy and that's for various reasons the knowledge problem government can't know what's mm. best for everyone it doesn't have the, the relevant information but so yeah so it, it, the government has no right to determine that so the reason isn't really relevant all that is relevant to government is here you are you want to come in do we have any reason to think that you are going to initiate force against the people Citizens. on this side of the border uh, okay all right let me let me try this. So in a in a, even in a in a monarchy, right? Yeah. If if the United States became a monarchist state tomorrow, um, or any country for that matter, it would have a police force. It mm. would have a military which protects the borders against foreign threat, uh, and it would have a judiciary. That would pretty much be it. Yes, essentially. Um, so let's say. The, the, the citizenry in that country then pay for the police force to exist, obviously, yeah. and for the military to exist, and for the judi judiciary through some sort of basic taxes. Yeah. Um, my question then is, if if a country then allows, just has free movement of people and allows these people to come in, and these people are essentially unable to 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 service the the, the tax burden that would be placed on them. Um, and then the police force essentially becomes much worse or collapses because before you had a police force for 300 million people or for 50 million, it doesn't really matter. And now, and they were all paying tax towards it or most of them were. And now you've got double that, but not double the tax. Um, and so that starts, is that not a reason why you should at least say, look, we must have a little bit of control here? Well, no, I would say it isn't. Uh, so they, if they come into the country and there is a tax burden, they would need to pay taxes. If they can't, that's obviously a punishable offense. Uh, so they, they would uh, shadow the prison system with a bit more of a burden uh, rather than the police system. Um, but yeah, but should, so, we, should we be putting people into prison for, for evading, tax for taxes? Well, look, not so, evasion. So, so this monarchy versus anarchy thing is interesting. So. When it comes to principle, I believe I'm completely an anarchist. I, Rothbard was the first uh, book that I read on, on libertarianism, The Ethics of Liberty. Uh, but then um, the, the, the first reason why I regard myself as a monarchist is because it's more sellable. It's, it's easier to convince people of it, and I think anarchy is too far off. But the, 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 
Nicholas Woodsmith, the managing editor of the Rational Center, said this, and this quite resonated with me, is that the state is inevitable. It's always going to be I inevitable, agree. whatever you call it. Absolutely. Uh, it's, sure. it's, it's inevitable. You can't mm. fix it. That's why I'm a minarchist. I would rather work with what I have and entrench certain institutions uh, like the rule of law, uh, law protected property rights and so forth to limit that state because I think that's going to be more libertarian than having an anarchy because the moment you declare anarchy the local government is just going to say yes anarchy except here Uh, so that's that's, all all that happens as I've tried to argue with Ramon on many occasions is that uh, you know and he'll say well look at these sort of walled off estates we have in Joburg which basically have set up their own rules and, and whatever within their estates. And I'm like, exactly. They set yeah. up a government because um, even if you live in a Anarchy complex… Anarchy is not absence of rules. Fuck. Okay, so, look, but it's uh, absence of government, right? Yeah, so look… Um, Coercive. Yeah, yeah so, so anarchy… Um, uh, Ramon's never lived in a complex. I'll okay. explain to Ramon how body corporate works, right? Yeah. So body corporate is de facto a government of a complex. I lived sure. in a flat okay. that had a, a body corporate. Right. And then and I never they make up bullshit them. rules, right? I know this. <laughs> make up like yeah. whatever they want. A complex – and that's actually a perfect, a perfect analogy for the voting system generally. Most people don't give a fuck. Yeah. The people on the board really give a shit and they pass these rules by proxy because people are like, ah, vote for whoever's on the board. I don't really care. And they pass bullshit rules that affects everyone. But look, the- and that's the way you get this. Okay, and then you wonder, away from where and then you wonder, no, listen, and then you wonder why we get the state that we do because people don't give a shit about what they vote for. They vote for personality, not policy. So, mm. so what distinguishes an, uh, still never have an anarchy. <laughs> the state and an anarchy, the difference is that these complexes acquired the property rights there legitimately. Mm. So they bought the, the ground. So they, that's a legitimate government if you want to uh, well, talk about it like that. Well, the state really, is a fundamentally illegitimate government. Well, well no, that no one's bought. So the per- people making the rules haven't bought anything. They bought one unit in, say, a 100-unit complex. Yeah. And there's, say, four people who sit on the board. Okay, but that's, that's, that's the rules of the, that's the, the, yeah. the, the essential owners agree to those and rules. And then they make rules and then they coercively enforce those rules. Yes, but of course, but that's a contra- contractual agreement. They, they don't actually read through it. I mean, the Owners are negligent, and people on the board sure. take take. Uh, the the thing is, it's voluntary. At the end of the day, the whole complex setup is voluntary. You are not I forced mean, you to be there. You can move, but the, it's difficult. The state fundamentally of, of citizenship, isn't the, the, it? We yeah. are held hostage by voters, and we can't move because it's difficult. The thing with the state is that it enforces its rules over property that it does not own. And I'm not talking about it as a title deed. I'm talking about yes, legitimate yeah. ownership. Yeah, they tell you when you can water your garden. For yes. Example. So. Um, if hypothetically everyone in South Africa, and I mean every single person who owns property, came together and consciously and uh, with all the relevant information agreed that we will establish the South African government with all these rules, then that would render the South African government legitimate and this would be an, an anarchy, essentially, even though the government continues to exist because it would be based on property rights. But, but uh, that will never yeah. ever happen but anywhere. Just, but sorry, but by property, you're talking about specific like land. Properties. I'm talking about every owner in the country, without exception, agreeing of, to of, land. of anything or of land. Yeah, because property means a lot of things. Okay, no, I, I would probably say land because the state is a territorial uh, monopoly right. on force. So okay. yes, land. Uh, I mean, but there are problems of, with that, though. I mean, some people own more land than others. Yes, but others okay, so lease. I mean, my, all, there are problems with that. Yes, yeah. my argument is that that would render the South African government legitimate, but the state, as as an illegitimate government, 
is an in- inevitable institution. That's that's sure. that's that's my argument. That even though you have these, uh, you would have these voluntary property rights. The state there would still be a band of robbers who would eventually establish themselves as the the warlords over a specific area. I I the history shows this. I mean, they say sure. that the state started very recently, seventeen. Oh, when was it? Some treaty. Uh, but no, the kingdoms before that, tribes before that, these were all essentially states. Uh, in uh, understood from the libertarian perspective. So to come back to the original question about should we put people in prison for tax evasion? Oh wow, we deviated a bit. Be- because <laughs> because the state is inevitable and we should accept that reality, even though it's a completely illegit- illegitimate institution. In a monarchist system, if someone does not pay their taxes, yes, they they should probably go to jail for it. Ooh, this smells like the p word to me. So I was what? like pragmatism. Tax is well, no. tax is illegitimate. So we're gonna we're gonna imprison those that don't no, pay no, no. it. Pragmatism is the, the philosophy of our principle. That's 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 what pragmatism is. It so, doesn't exist. So that segues nicely into yeah. the DA. Um, oh, yeah. No, but so, wait, we have got to stick with pragmatism now? first. Okay. What uh, about pragmatism? Well, I, because pragmatism pragmatism isn't without principle. No, it's not about. It's about what works. It, it, it's 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 well, it is. But that is exactly what the definition of it really is. Is about what works. But it's it's not to say. It's the same as my question before, where I said, "Look, we currently have this country which provides people with that medical care, and if they come over the border, they'll get it. But that's kind of like theft from the people who've actually paid for it. Um, so, what do we do when we're in that situation? So, I fully agree. I agree with, for example, the the free movement of of people. But you have to have a system that's the system has to be set up so that when those people freely move, they're not stealing." other people's money in doing so, right? By taking services that other people have paid for. So all that would be pragmatic in that scenario is I would go, I think all Mexicans should be able to move to the United States, but that's not possible until either they abolish their socialist uh, leaning laws or they pass a law like you mentioned, whereby um, they can't access those things if they're illegal or whatever. So, or what about my argument? Sorry, mm. that you, you are allowed to use social services you ever paid for because it alleviates suffering. And maybe alleviating suffering is what we should be doing or thinking about. Okay. You think that's a pragmatic argument, though? Uh, yeah, it's very pragmatic. You see, that's my problem with, with pragmatism, and that's that's always going to be my problem with pragmatism. It doesn't exist because everyone and his dog is a pragmatist. Everyone who you speak to about anything will have an argument up their sleeve about why yeah. what they're advocating is practical. And libertarians are an exception to this. Uh, like I always uh, say mm. is that for government, there is nothing more practical than a libertarian um, policy because all it needs to do is do nothing. There is absolutely nothing more practical than sitting on your hands and doing nothing. And a lot of people would then disagree and say that that is absolutely not pragmatic because uh, there is there is political forces at play mm. and uh, so and it, so it, it is, Yeah, my argument against pragmatism is that it cannot be. It does not exist. There is always an underlying principle. Uh, there is always a value system, and pragmatism serves, or this label of pragmatism serves as a mask, a facade for someone who is not willing to say what position he is coming from, what value system he is uh, advocating. He is just calling himself a pragmatist and he is relying, he is appealing to um, his own, um, what what do you call it, his own conception of reality, which to me is intellectual dishonesty. And many people don't hold, hold fast, you know, hard and fast views about the world or about themselves. Most people never question their intuitions. Well, I think there's a, everyone has these assumptions underlying everything, and there's, that that intuitions, but no one ever asks why do I have. Accumulatively, that 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 comes that says a worldview, and 
most people I would say are statists. I think because uh, it's what they've known. No, but uh, that's 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 a, that's a value system. Uh, okay, but hold, hold on. System. So the government sat on their hands. This is a good segue to the DA. The government sat on their hands in Hillbrow for twenty-five years. Okay, okay? no, no, wait, no. Uh, so you can't sit on your hands and say, but uh, nobody else can take our place. That's that's not sitting on your hands. So if uh, no, no, we, but they didn't say nobody else can take our place for twenty-five years. They're now saying that. I agree with you. Right. Our government has been so, anti-private so, security in, in, in rhetoric, at least for for quite a while. Okay, but let's let's uh, because I want to get to Herman Mashaba. Okay. So, yep. like, Hillbrow has basically decayed into yep. a, you know, an urban it's 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 urban de- it's urban decay in in the best possible way you can have that if, if that's the way of saying it, um, and that's because government sat on their hands and didn't do anything. They didn't bother about Hillbrow. They pretty much ignored it. They left it alone. Um, they didn't I'm enforce property rights. They didn't enforce property rights. They didn't enforce the law. Which, which is their fundamental job, by the um, way. They, they didn't do anything in Hillbrow, pretty much, no. for 20 years. Um, now, after 20 years, it's not a nice place to be. Um, that's, 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 that's debatable. Um, no, I would argue for many people it's not nice to have a very high chance of being mugged if you walk out of your house. Um, that's regardless of who you are. If you live there, that's likely to happen to you often. Um, so what I'm saying is, is now you've got a situation where we've got a mayor who comes in as a mayor with a history of a libertarian bent. Um, I mean, he was the director of your, of your foundation. He was right? the chairman of our board. Chairman, yes. sorry. Um, and he basically goes, look, we've got this urban decay and we need to clean it up. Um, so now they're not sitting on their hands. Now they're doing something. But the thing is, what they're kind of doing is to get to the point where you have like this would be, I assume, part of his argument. I hope I'm not strawmanning him, but he would he would say, look, we need to do certain things to get to a functional level because we're so below functional in Hillbrow on any level of what we consider a suburb to be in terms of security, safety, water, electricity, all of it, that we need to make certain things happen that you might not like that aren't libertarian at all, I, I would argue, Um and so, what's where's the problem there? Okay, so I would. There's a, and he's being pragmatic. He would. I, say. I would need to disagree with you that government sat on its hands in in Hillbrow cool. uh, by not allowing the owners of buildings there to enforce their property rights by passing laws such as the Pi Act, the uh, prevention of some injustice, eviction. evictions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so by passing laws like that, government is not sitting on its hands because. Yeah. An owner of a Hillbrow building would have could have had people evicted, put onto the street, and said, "Out, get out." That 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 doesn't happen in South Africa anymore because it's it's illegal. Uh, private security uh, is ve- severely hamstrung. Uh, we can see that with what's happening. A fees must fall. They don't do anything, even in the face of serious violence. Private security can't do anything because they know that there is going to be legal consequences, unjust legal consequences, because what what they're doing are protecting property rights. So I would argue that government did not sit on its hands. It created the situation in Hellbrow by having various kinds of laws and policies, and uh, uh, the Constitution definitely played its part in this, unfortunately, sure. uh, to create so when, the situation. So when Herman Mashaba goes then and empties out someone's building yeah. of, of squatters, yeah. Uh, is he not protecting private well, property Well, look, rights? so I've, I've always made this qualification. If Herman Mashaba is enforcing the property rights of people living in those buildings and he kicks people living there illegally out, that's fine. That's perfect. That's the monarchist uh, conception of government. What I've seen he's doing, uh, what, what I, I believe he has been doing, is evicting people from buildings that have been abandoned 
or um, that are owned by the city. Uh, a lot of skyscrapers in, in Johannesburg, bizarrely, are owned by the city government. Uh, and he's been setting people out of these these buildings. To me, that is an injustice because uh, property law, even our um, common law principles of property, say that once property is abandoned, it becomes a terra nullius, and mm. that means the next occupant or the next person who makes his labor with that building becomes the owner. So that means when that building was abandoned by the owner, the, the people living there became essentially the sectional title owners of that building. Now Mr. Mashaba is putting people out of these buildings. To me, that is a violation of their property rights. And even worse, if the city government owns the, the building, that building is an invalid property. And that to me still means that whoever lived there should have acquired property rights. So I make the same argument that the Free Market Foundation is making for um, its Kaya Lam project, that people living on state-owned property should be given title to that property. And in that circumstance, I would say that everyone, anyone living in a Johannesburg city-owned building should be given a sectional title at least. And if the building was abandoned, then they, they automatically become uh, okay. owners okay. of that building. Okay, so let me – let's, let's – let's. So as a, a principle, that sounds nice, but let's bring it down to like a real scenario. So mm -hmm. someone uh, – people have moved into an abandoned building owned by the city um, – but it's not the city's ownership anymore, according to our common law, yes. uh, because other people have moved in. Let's say they've been there for five years now. The city hasn't touched this building, mm. haven't come near it, haven't said anything about it. They've set up 300 informal dwellings in the first two floors of this building. Uh, and one night, the building catches fire. Yeah. Why must the city respond with fire engines to that building? Well, because it – Oh, and when it comes to fire, uh, fire departments, our uh, government, local governments have a monopoly, I believe, a uh, legal monopoly. So uh, it cannot uh, have the monopoly and like ESCOM then refuse to provide power. Sure. Uh, so you believe those people, if they could have got fire services, would have, would have paid for them? Well, they're if, not paying for anything else. They're stealing electricity from the state by if, illegally if connecting. If they had property rights, it could have been different. I, I believe probably that if they truly had property rights, then it's likely that the situation would have been different. I mean, come on, let's yes. just contextually. When you have a, a rental car, do you drive it like your own? Well, Jonathan drives like a hooligan, so <laughs> maybe he's asking you. Martin? Well, I mean, I, tr I don't crash it on purpose or anything like that, but I, I take corners. Yeah, I drive it like a rental is a thing. Right. Mm. Yeah. So if you live in some place that's not your own, yeah. without any real um, fear of being kicked out because the, the state is useless, you're not going to treat it well. Yeah, well, this is the RDP argument, right? You don't build an RDP yes. house and then rent it. To, basically, they rent it to people yes. or long-term lease. I mean, mm -hmm. they basically say, here's your RDP house. Okay, can I have a title deed because I'd like to sell it so I can send my son to university? Oh, no, you can't have the title deed. Your son will just have to not go to university. Yeah, because it belongs to yeah. me, bitch. Me, um, me, big government. Yeah, sure. I, I, I hear that I hear that, that side of it. I'm just saying um, the, the, the ownership of the state has fallen away from this building. A whole bunch of people have erected illegal dwellings uh, as well in, in the building. I, I say there's a having been into many of these buildings mm. when they've caught fire. Um, I, I'm, I'm just trying to understand why the state must be uninvolved but then involved. It's 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 an odd. Well, no, sort of the, the, the state shouldn't have a monopoly on on firefighting. I, I don't. The, the that doesn't make sense to me. Why do we have state provided firefighters? We have a brilliant private ambulance system in this country. Something that even the United States doesn't have. Why do we not have the same with fire departments? So that would be my argument there. So. The state having a monopoly, yes, they, they should respond. You can't give yourself a monopoly and then refuse to assist me, having paid for, for your monopoly uh, when, I, when I need it. Mm. So when it comes to firefighting, yes. But also, uh, I, I take your point that 300 people moving into rooms designed mm. for two people, that, that's unfortunate. But property rights did vest. Uh, 
it's it's there's not much you can do about that. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, okay, okay cool. Yeah. Um there was another example we had a bit of an argument about a yeah. while back on Facebook. I think it was a guy who it wasn't a guy, it was a church, I think. Oh yes, uh, yes I remember that. There was a church and they were making a ridiculous amount of noise yeah. uh every weekend, Saturdays and Sundays, I think, um up till late at night and early in the morning and all the, imagine the worst possible scenario. Yes. I'm, I'm not being very generous, but it, worst possible case that your neighbor noise they can make in the worst times. Yeah. Um and the city clamped down on this basically shut the church down. Yeah. Um what is the if, if you own the property, do you think you can make as much noise as you like whenever you like, regardless of how it affects your neighbors? So the state's involvement here complicates the matter. As a principle, I would say, yes, you should be able to. Uh, but in, in a privatized system, you would have uh, residential agreements. Uh, you, developers, you build suburbs, you would be owners, they would set up body corporates. There would be co- contractual agreements that tell you, you yeah. cannot make this noise. And then you can be put out of your house if that happens, if you are sure. a consistent fighter. But don't, don't we have that as, we have zoning. disturbing the peace laws, right? Yes, we do. And I don't, I don't agree with that. But we have zoning laws and that's, that's where this came in. So that was a residential area. It was not zoned for a church. Hmm. Uh, and I mean, a lot of people would construe a zoning law as an agreement between the people there, but that is simply not true. It's it's been imposed on that community yeah. by government. Spatial planning. Yes, yeah, so it's it's the wor- one of the worst kinds of central planning. So in in that case of the church, I would say no. The government should have left them alone and instead should have abolished uh, the zones, the zoning laws for that area, and, and allowed. And the if you live to, next door, right, yeah. and your kids can never sleep, and and you can, you, you know, it's unfortunate. It's tough luck. It's the tough shit rule. It's the tough shit rule. I mean, property rights. There is no nothing. But where's the law there, Martin? Because even in a in yeah. a in a minute in a minute, yes. there's there's law, right? And, yes. there, there's, and and sound pollution is just one thing. What happens if the, if you have someone making? Uh, well, if they're doing animal sacrifices, yeah, let's say. Or, or, or or creating poisonous gases from. Okay, well whatever. that 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 that's can harm. Be, but that's why is that different aggression. from sound pollution though? Okay, well, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into a deep uh, philosophical conversation here <laughs> about uh, whether me nudging you accidentally amounts to um, to aggression against you and whether I should be put in jail for twenty five years because of that. So, no, I think we should probably exercise some kind of uh, reasonableness criterion here, and I would say the libertarian uh, policy for this is that property rights should be the law. Okay, but look, look yes. we've got three radicals sitting in the studio, right? Okay. And, and we've got lots of listeners of who, are, who are um, well, not as, not as much as the two of you perhaps, but um, we've got lots of listeners who are just kind of relatively standard in their views. Yes. Um, and they would say something like, well, uh, I know in my suburb I'm not allowed to make a lot of noise after 10 o'clock at yeah. night on a weekday. I think it is at midnight. These are the bylaws. Yeah. Uh, at midnight on a weekend uh, and I don't. And yeah. if my neighbor does, then I know I can call the cops and the cops will come knock on his door. Assuming the system's relatively yeah. working, the cops will come and knock on his door and tell him to turn the music off or whatever it is. And yeah. that'll be the end of that. What's wrong with that? Well, my simple answer to that is under a legitimate system where property rights are respected, that, that's exactly what would still happen. You would still have these laws, which would take the form of a con- uh, bylaw in your complex or in your residential agreement. Uh, so everything, most of the things that currently make up order in society would mm. still be there. So in- what's wrong with them now? If some of the, oh, the state is imposing, well, well, okay, so the, the, it's it's going to be the difficult. State will always impose force, though, because in a minarchy you will still have a police force. Sure. The the problem is that 
that institution is, is funded illegitimately by taxes and so forth to do something that is outside of its scope. So that, that's the problem. Because people haven't agreed necessarily. Yes. Because the people in that area, for example, haven't agreed that 10 o'clock on a weekday is the time. But even if they agree, the state isn't the, the institution that should be responsible for doing that. So if, if we agree to enforce a uh, sound bylaw, the local nursery isn't going to enforce that. It just doesn't make sense. The state is not supposed to, in the business, to be in the business of doing that. Who would enforce it then? The, surely the police would always the be the people enforcing it. No, the, the, the residential agreement is, is the applicable law if you would. Yeah, but you can't go, you're not going to, you're not going to, a residential agreement can't in itself go knock on someone's door. Who's going to, who's going to, well, go okay, and so it, it. it would be the, the local security or if, if you have a court order, it would be, it would be the police, yes. But at the end of yeah. the day, the, the bylaw is still an imposed ordinance on, on, that, on that community. I mean, yeah, I, mean I, sort of like, I see it, Martin. I mean, and you, you make the perfect argument for anarchy, believe it or not. Um, in no, the, no, but in, like… In, in those, those, those consensual agreements yes. amongst people living in a geographical area. I mean, that's what anarchy is about. Yeah. But sometimes people just don't want to play by the rules. Um, and I'm not saying that we need the state, therefore, to force them to play by the rules. But I think you, you are not giving culture enough… But where where does factor. culture come in in in, in, in this? Uh, um, culture, I mean, you know, uh, music and artistic expression and weddings and things like that matter a lot. Yeah, to but a lot it, of people. it's a slippery slope to tell the state to uh, enforce no, I'm its. I'm arguing for the okay, state. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just arguing that property rights, yes. as being the metric, yeah, may not be sufficient. It may lead to some other unforeseen circumstances. But but that is it is the metric, and there may things may happen that do not please us, uh, that don't uh, satisfy our our um, sense of what what is right or wrong. But the fact is that that is the that is property rights determine what force should legitimately be used for. In society. Yeah, yeah. But so but since we outsourced monopoly of violence to the state, and this I have to give credit to the state, violence has fallen many times over. Uh, since we've done that it, it has fallen way before then But you see a market difference Once the monopoly of violence was established by the state So now our disagreement Is between okay, It's between us but in the state civil service In the state justice system for example And we use lawyers and things like that I don't go to you and punch you in the face Because you play your music too loud I send you a lawyer's letter Yeah. Um, and that can happen without the state That's But the rules true. are arbitrary Whereas when it's determined by property rights, it would be informed that the owners of the property would determine the rules. So there is a, a there is a link between the property and the eventual enforcer of the rule. What, what can yeah, I but, ask? What a what a some, something as simple as a noise. So I think on really much more important things, we can have this debate about individual property owners getting exit getting together. But you. In a suburb, even a relatively small suburb, you've got hundreds of, of individual property owners. Yeah. What is wrong with having just a global rule? Like, a, a, you know, and I don't think – this is what I'm saying. I don't think average people have a problem with the, the standard of noise not, laws. Yeah. No, so why do we have to – it sounds to me like we would have to abolish the entire system, throw the bylaw book in the bin, and then we would individually all have to meet together – Yes. To to come up with each and every the, single tedious little law. The idea Why? of a global rule is entrenched in a flawed philosophy. So Frederick Hayek makes this, this argument, yeah, that, the, the, the problem it, of knowledge in society. So the government does not know what is appropriate 
in every single circumstance. No, they don't. And if hippies come together in a community and they want louder music throughout the night, what 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 would be wrong with that? Well, if, if they're prepared to allow that. Well, it's a question of emergent social order, which I'm a big proponent on. Of. Okay, but that's that's the argument. Yeah, so no, I mean, the that's, people, that's where I agree with you. The people in every single circumstance, they should decide for themselves. There should be, it shouldn't be a rule imposed on them from a non-property owning society um, entity that is irrelevant to the situation at hand. And that is what the government fundamentally is. Yeah, I, I would have to. I mean, this is a you know, this is now getting into specifics on this on the law. I, I yeah. would, I would be very surprised for example if that wasn't already entrenched somehow in the law in in the sense that if you have a commune outside of Joburg that's you know there's five kilometers between you and your neighbor there is no noise we, law. we have neighbor so, law which is part of our common law and neighbor law which that's essentially you shouldn't be a nuisance to your to your neighbors yeah but to me property rights would still trump that because if I move, if I bought my house here and I'm making noise and people moved in around me, they cannot then say, okay, but now government is going to impose a, a noise restriction here and now I'm suddenly out of nowhere bound by this new rule. If you want to move in around me or something like that, we come to an agreement. And if we can't, there are stubborn people out there. Then it's tough that's, luck. That's fine. That's a tough luck rule. It's the tough luck. I don't, li- I don't think uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, yeah. A lot of society I, needs to be covered by the right, tough luck. Let's, let's move on because yeah. I still want to discuss the DA, which we haven't really got to. We spoke a bit about Herman. But I only talk about stuff I care about. Yes, and? The DA is not one of them. You love the DA. Don't lie. <laughs> no, you, I mean, you're an underground shell for them. <laughs> <laughs> Undergr- very underground. Um, but, yeah, okay, but, the, but the DA we know, right? They just not the liberal No, but party. what I wanted to discuss was what? this liberal argument. Sure, sure. But they're not fucking liberal. Well, but, well, and what more is there to discuss? Well, we, well, because there's an argument out there um, from many senior and former senior people in the party who are stating that this clearly illiberal party and they've progressed there. It's not like they weren't liberal before. They were clearly 20 years ago, the DA and longer 30 years ago and 40 years ago from their beginnings, they obviously weren't the DA, but they were clearly a liberal party and and classically liberal um, in, in their views, in the way they did things, in the, how they proposed to legislate. Um, that has clearly fallen away. However, you have Pumzile van Dam. Um, you know, what was the politics web? Who wrote that article? Franz Cunier wrote the Yes, Franz Cunier one. wrote an article who, which said basically the DA has lost its liberal values. Yes. Um, Pumzile van Dam, who's the spokesperson for the DA nationally, turned around and, is she and issued, yes, she is, okay. uh, issued a rebuttal, uh, which, uh, as you've mentioned previously, wasn't much of a rebuttal. But no. the, the point is she issued a rebuttal saying, no, no, we, we're completely liberal. Or the way I see it is they're just redefining the word. It's like the Americans, yes. right? The Democrats say they're liberal. They're nothing like liberal. But, okay, if you want to be American liberal, that's great. Mm. That's what the DA are now. Um, some people say we shouldn't let them claim the word. I think it's too late. Um, but can they honestly say they're a liberal party? Definitely not. So um, let me just put the disclaimer out there. I speak only for myself uh, when, when I talk about the Democratic sure. Alliance, and I don't represent anyone at the Free Market Foundation particularly. Um, so just before the 1988 election, I believe, the way one was the last white election in this country, the DA had posters saying uh, less government, more freedom. The, the, the DP, the Democratic Party at mm-hmm. the time. So at that time, it was certainly a liberal party. Uh, they made uh, 
arguments for individualism per se, uh, a word that you don't hear from that party anymore, individualism, the, uh, the concept of the individual and property rights. The DP was very much into that. Uh, and since then, uh, since I, I would identify the Constitution as the problem. Uh, we we bought into the new legal Grund norm uh, without any question. We accepted it as it is without any need for modification. And that is what brought us to, to the current DA. And the DA definitely is not liberal in that sense, uh, although it's it's I find it very interesting that they recently hosted the executive committee meeting of Liberal International, which uh, has something called the Oxford Declaration, which is the... Uh, the manifesto of liberal international and it's filled with classical liberal principles. It affirms the centrality of the individual as the, uh, I, I remember the, the words they use as the central entity in society. They talk about property rights and the, the, f the centrality of the free market system. None of that is true for the DA anymore. Uh, and, even even though Musi Maimane, when he was running for leader, said a lot about the importance of property rights, but that's the last time I heard, heard those two words coming out of his mouth. Well, they also um, are uh, pandering to the collective now. You, you're Musi Maimane saying that, that doesn't exist. Yeah, so the really Musi Maimane's recent uh, My Own Guardian interview, or was it a speech, uh, where he basically speech. yeah, so he basically said uh, the DA is now completely in favor of affirmative action, where uh, a black individual should be appointed if he's equally qualified as as the, the white individual in question. Uh, that's it. Shouldn't take me to say that that's a completely anti-individualist and therefore anti-liberal position uh, that it's 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 drenched collect, drenched in collectivism and uh, what he said and what Pumzili van Dam also said was that um it, and and let me paraphrase it because they, they they wouldn't say it just like this but essentially that we are no longer classically liberal because we're pro poor and that is riddled with assumptions that the free market system yeah. is well, essentially well, anti-poor. The, the argument was that we are still liberal, but liberalism doesn't explain the historical legacy of our country. Which is, which is absolutely false. Because, of course it's bullshit. Yeah, so, Give people individual rights for the first yes. time in their fucking lives. Yeah, How about so, that? So How liberal South, is that? South Africa Fuck. has never had uh, a liberal system, and uh, for some reason everyone thinks that apartheid in capitalism or the free market system... Yeah, everyone had fucking property yeah, rights so that's, apartheid. That's, that's, that's everyone had freedom of speech during but, apartheid. Oh, so, but the liberal um, response to something like apartheid would be to uh, title deeds to everyone living on state property. It would be and land restitution. I must emphasize this in, in no uncertain terms that liberals are very much in favor of the restitution of land rights. If someone can prove that their property was taken under expropriation laws by the, the apartheid regime, they need to get their property back. It's as simple as that. Liberals oppose redistribution of wealth and especially of land, uh, and and that that. That new, that well, ra random redistribution. So if you redistribute it to its rightful owner. Well, no, that's restitution. Yeah. So redistribution is, is arbitrary. It's, mm. uh, it's taking from those you have and giving to those who don't have. Yeah. That's something that the DA has now bought into for no explicable reason. Uh, there is no indication that the South African people on the whole well, the, want redistribution. The, the explicable reason is because they think that it's a, it's a vote-buying policy. Yes, uh, that's the policy. problem. Yeah. It, 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 and this is the weird thing we yeah. were discussing before the show. According to no market research, yeah. is that a vote-buying policy? Well, they probably have something, but I, I would argue that if their market research says that that is what the people want, it's based on flawed premises. I would say that that data is tainted because yeah. it, it simply does not make sense and it doesn't add up with what the IRR has found that people don't care. They don't want land. There's no land hunger. People care about getting jobs, getting... Uh, 
food on the table, the economy up and running. Yeah, so there is no yeah. land question. There is no and, hunger and if, for and land. And if you want to vote for a party that, that thinks BE, land redistribution, all that's very important, why not just vote for the ANZ? That's been their policy well, yeah, well, for the D- 23 the years. DA's so why new, would you vote for this new up-and-coming cultural appropriation? The DA is trying to sell itself as the best... The best ANC, essentially, better than all which the other is, ANCs. Is, which is why it. I'll never fucking vote. Imagine <laughs> having a capable ANC. Yes. It's supposed to be Venezuela. But, but that is what, what they're trying to sell, and they're anti-corruption. That's that's the DA's big thing. It's anti-corruption. anti-corruption. Grow the state, yes. have less corruption. Yes, that's a that's, fucking big one. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's, that's all right. Floor. Martin, um, Sorry for, are you, are, someone on the group wanted to know if you – well, how you feel about um, foreign policy. So I think uh, they were probably more going after how you feel about invading other countries. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know that's that's a difficult, that's and, a dangerous question for me to answer. Yeah, as a well, well, so well, go, go there. Okay, so in principle, I have no objection to interventionism, uh, military interventionism, not economic interventionism. There is a people always conflate these two things. Uh, most libertarians say that non-interventionism is the libertarian position. I don't know where they get that. Uh, for me, Part of if, the non-aggression principle. Well, no, that's that's for individuals, yes. But uh, if the state exists and there's a tyrant on its border, I think I I identify a, a libertarian imperative. To no, but that is defensive. That's defensive. That's morally fine. But interventionism. Okay, yes. Uh, in, according to the non-aggression principle, you can yeah. define that as retaliatory because that sure. dictator is engaging in violation of of individual rights, and that is the argument that I make. But it's still. On a, it's, it's, it's military interventionism still, but so it's, it's retaliatory. Well, yes, it depends on whether your state is capable. So you can't have, uh. Sounds pragmatic. Uh, well, <laughs> pragmatism doesn't exist. Practical libertarianism <laughs> is something else. It's, okay, so, but, but, it, but what is, what is, no, we haven't gone there. if, if, if a, a foreign leader is undermining individual liberty, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, so be easy that. Should, should we invade South Africa? Uh, so, so what? BE is undermining individual liberties. So should you, would you intervene in South Africa? As as a, on a purely principled level, yes. So what I'm currently saying is in contravention of the Constitution. So let me just say theoretically, yes. Uh, right, okay. Say yes. you were say you were Donald yeah. Trump, right? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to be held up for treason. <laughs> no, you won't. Say you were Donald Trump, and yes. you, and your belief is that you're intervening when individual liberty is uh, being yeah. uh, whatever. Destroyed. So this is this is just war theory. So if you have a, sure. ju- a just cause theory, uh, if right. if there's a just cause for the war and for from the libertarian's perspective, that is always individual li- rights not being violated, then the right. war is just. But a lot of yes. things violate individual rights. Of course, Anything from yes. farming policy of course, we need to, to, apply, to avert to genocide. We right? need to and apply it's, it's a, a, a standard to it, sure. Yes, so even the U.S. violates a lot of liberties. I wouldn't right. encourage anyone to, to try try their hand at, at invading the U.S. So what, what is your that. baseline? Is it literally killing so, people in the streets or well, yes, jailing so, journalists? I'm actually in favor of jailing journalists. Okay, but, no. Uh, but <laughs> well, just local ones. I, I would say that the, the Rwanda um, genocide was a good example of where there needed to be urgent interventionism uh, by whoever. Not not everyone always assumes I'm talking about the U.S. needs to intervene. I don't right. care. So, someone needed to get in there and, and oh, save. In theory, the borders, uh, the states on the border were the closest yes. and most available. Yes, we should so, have intervened. Yes, I, I would agree that uh, if, if your state is capable and uh, then, then you should have intervened, especially in. I would say apartheid probably was was a justification for for military interventionism. Uh, but then again, from South Africa's side, 
it was completely just for us to intervene in Angola. So that, yeah. that was also, so it's always depending on where yeah. you're looking from. Um, it's, it's always quite complex. I mean, as we yes. see with, you know, Iraq is now held up as this, as this sort of example about how we should never intervene. Yeah, that's, um, and I think it's terrible yeah. uh, because I, well, Ramon's now so, going to go on his tirade about how terrible the Iraq war is. So would you, um, would you intervene in North Korea right now if you had yes. the power? So this is a, it's a difficult question. There are other considerations. So if I know that intervention is going to mean Seoul is going to be nuked immediately, killing 22 million people, then I would say probably no, but, but not. You, but you cannot ever predict what's going to happen though. No, no, sure. Intervene. But if you're in military, then you need to have some strategy and, uh, you need to make some kind maybe of prediction. Military shouldn't exist. Yeah, maybe. Like maybe states but, shouldn't but, exist But either. for for as long so as it exists, all these things we've been discussing like don't actually for, exist. For for as long for as long as it exists, the state does have a mandate to protect individual rights, and uh, I would say that in North Korea it probably should have happened. Yeah, long ago. So the problem with North Korea is the nuclear thing now. Yes. Yeah, if, if, new, if, if, if Bill Clinton had just intervened twenty years ago when he was making deals, yeah, just like he did um, in Yugoslavia, that worked out mm, well. No, but. The different uh, setup and scenario. Yeah. Um, Ooh, context. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, if you had just intervened, then we wouldn't have this problem of South uh, Seoul mm. being uh, nuked. Uh, the problem with your argument, of course, is that uh, we won't intervene for the, that exact reason now. Well, the United States won't yeah. intervene. No, we didn't give a um, shit before they got the nuke. Don't act like okay. Yeah, theoretically, no, but we should intervene but, but when it's undermining. Human casualties are always the decider. Yes. Human no. casualties are always a decider because that's what influences media. That's it. It's as simple as that. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It means that's how the world works. So the, when, when, when it was too much for American troops getting lost in Iraq, that's when the Americans, the tide turned on the, on the U.S. war. Whether that was right, it was wrong. It was wrong for them to leave. That's when they were winning, when they were losing yes. the majority no, of I, people. I so the, the thing is, is, is we will leave South Korea now and our children will deal with a North Korea that doesn't threaten only South Korea, but threatens the entire world with nuclear weapons. Leaving South Korea, I would say, would be an inhumane thing for the United States to do. Absolutely. Because it is literally the only thing that stands between... Though intervening in a country with 25 million slaves is also quite... Uh... Yeah, so that, it's a very big uh, ethical and moral debate. Yeah. But my biggest concern is it, we will not... We will continue to pretend like we're going to solve this diplomatically or highly unlikely... No, you know what will so. solve it, though? Yeah. And it's really solving China. it now. No. South Korean fucking soap opera. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, read Michael Malice's book. Okay. Uh, he, he talks about the black market. Mm. And people realize 20 years ago, like in this, in this soap opera, um, the maid has like better clothes than I do. Why is that? And then the state tried to say, no, it's all propaganda. They actually live like pigs compared to us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the more the black market has opened up, the more illicit contraband, illicit being soap operas, uh, magazines, yeah. shit like that. Well, the market works very well in North Korea by changing the culture. So North Korea got the nuke because it's, it's the dying legs, dying kicks the, of, uh, of a regime the question is how long that do you won't wait? happen. The question is, how long do you wait? Well, so don't in, antagonize them. No, but in Rwanda, we there was we waited, and a hundred thousand people died in a hundred days. I believe that's the number. Uh, so yeah, and as we just saw in Zimbabwe, the entire culture hates Mugabe, but for thirty-seven years they refused to do anything about it, and then dance in the streets when the military did it yes. for them. So the reality is, is that the whole of North Korea, the populace, could believe that they're living in this horrible country, that their rulers are terrible. But if they do nothing about it, it won't make a difference. And what, in 30 years' you, time… What are you going to do against an army of 2 million people? 
with guns and that you're not allowed to, you can't have any. Do you want? I, I don't. Do? I, I don't disagree with you, it's and a, that's exactly which is exactly why you can get as many soap operas into North Korea as you like. It's exactly that point is exactly why you can get as many soap operas. You can drop the one example which was very cute and funny and somewhat true is how to fix North Korea. Just airdrop a, a few yeah. million iPhones, right? With free Wi-Fi. Um, put a satellite above it. The, 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 that's all somewhat true, but at the end of the day, the force argument is being used against them and will continue to be used even if they completely disagree with their state. They probably won't rise up. And in that time that they don't rise up, North Korea doesn't have one or two or five nuclear weapons. They have 50, and they don't have an, an intercontinental missile that falls into the ocean near Japan. They have an intercontinental missile that can hit every city in the world. That's the concern. Once that is a clear and present danger, and you know... You don't wait do until then. See, that's military strategy. But still, the, the principle is accepted. So we there was massive intervention during both the world wars, uh, probably necessary, uh, I guess you can debate about the First World War. The Second World War was obviously necessary and was for humanitarian as well as... Uh, by who? Sorry, uh, invasion by who? Are you talking about America or are you talking about uh, other countries? Well, intervention the against Germany. Uh, yeah, by like Europeans by, or whoever, by America. By, I think America was... By everyone who's capable. By everyone who's capable. Why was America illegitimate? It's not their fight. But they were helping the no, allies. No, but that's... What's that? They were helping the Allies. Yeah, after a while. It's not their fight. But, uh, I don't buy that, that line of <laughs> every, argument. Every single war was created by progressive intellectuals at universities. It was, it's never been the army or the government. It's, it's created by people who write, intellectuals. Well, yeah, every... Like, I, right, I and, it was, and it was based on, on... A lot of it was based on race, right? Especially against Japan. So do you think there was like this moral outrage? The, the, the intervention against Japan is, is yeah. a bit more blurry, but against Germany, I don't think there can be any question. Uh, oh, I think they can be. No, oh, how? Why well, shouldn't the Americans we, have, have have helped why against Germany? Have yeah, against Germany. Why no, shouldn't they? Have, why when the British were being were I'm being just it destroyed? Wasn't immoral, immoral. They weren't being destroyed. Well, the, they were. They lost. The Russians the France were winning in, the war in, in, from, in from 1942. France. Americans came in 1944. They just didn't want communism to blow over the whole fucking well, continent. Well, either way. Uh, Intervene or not which, intervene, which the, principle is, that the principle is that someone should have stopped Hitler, and, and thank God they did. That principle hasn't been adhered to in every uh, yeah, situation. No, we don't get fucked by Hitler, we get fucked by our own, own <laughs> government. I think they, they are – that's – Again, we need to go. Levels. Yeah, we do need to go. We Wait, go. we're not – do you need to go? Well, I was supposed to be home half an hour ago. Oh, goodness. All right. <laughs> well, last thing is uh, – and it's a nice way to wrap up the show. Um, someone was asking about – uh, your vision for affecting the debate in South Africa regarding liberty versus the current centralizing nature of most of the talking heads. So, Well, look, so as I said in the Renegade Report group, I think that it's quite simple to change the discourse in South Africa. If 100 libertarians in South Africa started writing, started speaking out, I believe that it would completely change the narrative because – we essentially only have a thousand or so real core socialist intellectuals in this country, and they're driving the whole the whole show. And uh, currently, there is no real libertarian narrative here, with some exceptions. Uh, this podcast included and rational standard, but that's not nearly big enough. Me as a lone writer and activist, I I can't affect any kind of change without 
those who agree with me at least saying that they agree with me and doing so publicly. Mm. Uh, and, and that's, that's how it's going to be. People, uh, the dissidents need to speak out. They need to say, and, and specifically, they need to challenge the assumptions underlying the, the system. They shouldn't just say, we want the ANC out. I couldn't care less who is in government. The assumption that the state is supposed to drive progress in the economy at the, uh, and not the private sector or that the state has some kind of inherent right to socially engineer who you are and, and what you do, that assumption needs to be challenged. Otherwise, you will never get out of this self-reinforcing loop. Uh, so... The dissidents need to speak out. They need to say there uh, there's something fundamentally wrong with the system, and and I I believe the narrative can be changed quite quickly. Um, the Free Market Foundation has succeeded in uh, helping change the narrative on property rights. A lot of people are very uh, pro-titling now, uh, including the DA, which is great, uh, and and even the ANC is big talk on 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 titling property on on state-owned land, and that's great. So the narrative there has uh, shifted in a certain respect. Although I hope it would go further so that we don't lose the property rights provision in the constitution which seems more likely every day um so yes uh, just speak out uh, don't speak out in the renegade report group that's great but it's it's not going to be enough uh speak out just yeah. become a troll on twitter like me that that can work and look i mean another thing which we saw recently is is funding uh you, well i mean we we beg for patreon but uh but i'm talking more about big funding because we saw what Rand Merchant Bank? WMC funding. Uh, Rand Merchant Bank uh, recently pulling funding from the Institute of Race Relations oh, because yes, they were they didn't wanted meet to the transformation terms. targets, hmm. <laughs> and so the IRR told them to keep their money. But it's uh, it's it's just unfortunate that uh, we aren't we don't get more yes. funding towards these kinds of things, given that yeah. it's an that's a pro-business, pro-property rights show uh, and think tank like the IRR. And then the corporates say, no, but you're not transformative enough. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like but, the, the hook, line and sinker, the ANC Kool-Aid has like really sunk But, but we shouldn't hedge our, hedge our bets on the think tanks and the political parties. That's That would be a mistake. So the, the Free Market no. Foundation and the IRR have been around since – Deep into apartheid, uh, we've done great things, but we haven't changed the narrative completely. Yeah, no. That will only come from from people, the dissidents, and I know there's a lot of us. There's a lot of libertarians in this country, and I think more than people appreciate. But they are sitting on their hands. They're not speaking out. Uh, they're doing their 95 thing and uh, ranting on on Facebook. Uh, do a little bit more, and then I think the the whole thing will will change. Cool. Well, uh, well, Martin, you've been a good sport. Yes, thank, thank you for you, joining Martin. us again. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. It was a very Anytime. pragmatic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. No way. So we agreed on nothing, which is great. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's wonderful. Uh, you can follow Martin on Twitter at Martin underscore ASFL. Uh, yeah. Uh, preferably on Facebook. Uh, it's fb.com slash Martin van Staden Liberty, one word. Perfect, perfect. And uh, you know where to find us, uh, as always. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Bye. This is CliffCentral.com.